This is episode number five in the second live recording of Artful Thought at University of San Francisco's KUSF studio, which aired on Saturday, May 11th, 2019. A USF alumnus and development assistant at San Francisco's nonprofit organization, Nobly, Hennessy Sparasa delves into the kindness revolution, which they describe as a call for social change that has to be created through collaboration, compassion, and equity. I'd like to sort of open the premise of Artful Thought, um, since it's pretty new. Um, I just kind of have set out to focus on different perspectives, interviews, conversations with people on how art activism and their professional pursuits can braid rather than stay in their own lane. So yeah, that's just kind of the, in a nutshell, sort of the the vision of this show and to to let it organically unfold in conversation too and not just have it completely scripted. But um, yeah, to just sit down with people who I think are super interesting and doing a lot of good things for the world. And Jen is definitely one of those people. So they are a 2018 USF alumnus, um, and uh, they graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication Studies, selected as a valedictorian finalist of the College of Arts and Sciences. During their USF um, uh, college uh, career, they were on the uh, varsity policy debate team, and for the past five years, they've dedicated themselves to a nonprofit organizational relationship building and management. They now work as Nobley's development assistant, where their mission is to create ethical social change through revolutionary kindness, empathy, compassion, and community organizing. So thank you so much, Jen, for being here. Hi. Hi, Darcy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here about like where you grew up and how you um how you overcame certain uh certain hardships you know um that uh especially leading up to becoming a first generation college graduate which is super duper phenomenal <laughs> congratulations it's still pretty Thank fresh you. because it was last year that you yeah graduated. it was past may <laughs> yeah. not that long ago at all uh, well, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and mm-hmm. contrary to what you might see on reality TV, it's actually a really small town. Mm, yeah. So I went to school with the same group of kids from first grade all the way to 12th grade, and it was about 80, 90 of us. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be really scary, actually, to go to college, even mm-hmm. though USF is known as being a small school. I was already a little bit scared of, oh my goodness, there's going to be so many kids, but... I think actually what I've discovered when I got here is that I could actually apply a lot of the things that I learned at my small school to my college experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, But growing up, I spent a lot of time uh, reading books. I have two brothers, so I spent a lot of time making trouble with them and Mm -hmm. making trouble (laughs) for my mom with them. Yep. And happy Mother's Day to to the mama tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Mexican Mother's Day was yesterday. um, So I I have two holidays. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And... Yeah, I spent a lot of time getting close to the couple of kids that I did know, so I built some great, solid friendships. Uh, I think one thing that is different from what other kids might experience is that I didn't think about college until I think like 11th grade. My good mm-hmm. friend Shirley, she actually graduated from college yesterday. Uh, congratulations, yeah. Shirley. Yeah. Yes, congrats, Shirley. Uh, so she actually kind of cued me up to it. She said, oh, I'm applying for colleges. And I thought, oh, what? 
it's 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 time i i hadn't really like talked about college with my mom or given much thought to it at all really Mm -hmm. but i kind of like got to work i started applying for scholarships i started setting big dreams for myself i really wanted to be in san francisco and i did a little bit of research i found usf and i i i gave it a shot (laughs) i shot my shot and i was lucky enough to be accepted to usf that like being far away from family and uh did you uh go back home a lot did you skype like every day (laughs) yeah um well when I first got here I think um well one thing like my mom she actually uh she wasn't able to drop me off at school so Mm -hmm. since I was all the way in Miami and it would involve like basically all all of our family coming so Mm -hmm. it just wasn't possible for us so I think it started off already just very I just had to dive in, you Mm -hmm. know, like even on the first day when everyone was like saying goodbye to their families, I had already had to do that. So I had, that was already behind me. Miami was behind me and it was a little bit difficult. I'm not going to lie. I did experience, of course, homesickness Mm -hmm. and I watched pretty much the entire, the office and the entire Parks and Rec (laughs) in like two weeks maybe. (laughs) College was hard, I think, because I started to develop, like, all this new language and all these, just learning how to explain and analyze what's Mm -hmm. going on in our society. So I learned a lot of new labels that I felt applied to me. So it was kind of like new identities, but at the same time, it was a person that I was always... So it... Yeah. Yeah, so it... It really was like nothing inside of me changed, but it still felt mm-hmm. like everything was changing. And it took me a long time, I think, to kind of reconcile those identities. So, um, I think when I finally was able to, I just realized that, yeah, this is a person that I was always meant to be, but mm-hmm. also that the reason why I was so scared is because of, like, this great quote that's been going around. Have you, I don't know if you've seen it, it's like, oh, you, it's, you can't be what you can't see. So mm. I just, I felt so scared. I had never seen, like, I didn't know any Mexican college graduates. Mm-hmm. Like, the population is so small in Miami, but also college graduates are really just my teachers in high school that I knew. It's very possible, you know, like once you find that sort of like, uh, I don't know, that that um, calling to something. And even though you're in a community where it's just like historically, you know, not, you know, the likelihood because people from society are, you know, it gets internalized as like, you can't do this. But it's like, wait, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Why not? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, I, I can do this. I, I had to draw a lot on, like, exactly what you're talking about, the experiences mm-hmm. with my professors. I had to draw on the experiences with my mom and, like, all she taught me about hard work, about mm-hmm. treating people with compassion. But also I had to find a new me that was the old me, but mm-hmm. the same me. It, it Identity, I'm sure all of you know, we all have so many existential crises throughout college. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I think it's over. But I definitely feel so rooted and so just uh, established in what my mission is and how I'm going to create social change and just how it has to be through collaboration and it has Mm -hmm. to be through collaboration based on kindness and equity and compassion. Because I came from St. Louis, I came Mm -hmm. from the Midwest, 
I am not as familiar with like how um, the culture in Miami might be, but did you have any sort of culture shock coming over to San Francisco from from over there? Yeah, definitely. I think one thing, and it's it's so weird to say this, and of course I'm super like beautiful brown, super mm-hmm. just beautiful, duh. But <laughs> I hadn't noticed that I was brown, and I hadn't mm-hmm. noticed that my body didn't look like maybe everyone else's I think because again like I grew up in such a small community I just I I looked like everyone back where I grew up Mm -hmm. like I never stood out and I never felt out of place back home Mm -hmm. but when I got here like one example is like for in Miami like if you don't know Spanish it's probably going to be hard for you to find a job have to number one no English so just not hearing Spanish like everywhere I went was disorienting and I never even thought about that Mm -hmm. I also I knew this a little bit coming in but this lack of Central American food in San Francisco I read that somewhere on one of your um social maybe it was on the no bully website on your profile your staff yes I did write about that yes (laughs) yes yeah, I think maybe the closest might be around the Mission District, mm-hmm. but that might be the only... I, I've noticed that, too. Yeah. There's not so much around, like, certainly not close around USF's campus. Definitely. But, yeah. What food have you have you liked, and what different sorts of parts of, like, San Francisco culture have you really <laughs> grown to love? One thing I discovered when I moved here was pho. Mm-hmm. And in that same day, thank God... I also discovered boba, uh, <laughs> yeah, which of course like a staple. But the first time I had it, I was I just like slurping my drink, yes, and then something's like in my mouth, chewing, and I'm chewing, and my my tia, I'm like, tia, what isn't he? Like, what is this? <laughs> She's like, that's boba, and I was like chewing vigorously. I was like. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I think everybody remembers their first boba, like yeah. just the phenomenon that is boba and wondering for a second, am I supposed to eat this? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. is this right? Or is this, do I need to, is it just meant for flavoring, you know, have mm-hmm. some herbs or like that? But yeah. boba is so much fun. Like just saying it is fun too. <laughs> Do you have any like specific moments, either uh, like growing up or whenever you came here to to USF, uh, your first urges to get involved with community organizing? I think uh, my first urge came with, again, this new vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Uh, As soon as I started to realize that all of my experiences in Miami had been like, for example, free after school um, activities, free field trips, uh, free therapy, just like Christmas presents every year from like our after school program. I noticed that those were nonprofit organizations and that was a new word for me. And I thought like all the people that I that received help from were part of the same community. So I just felt this urge to give back to my community mm-hmm. And it's different because now I'm in San Francisco, but I still felt like I wanted to make sure that students like me continued to have those experiences mm-hmm. through nonprofit organizations. So I, I, there was not like, it was just meant to be, I think. Yeah. yeah. In places like those, they, they need continual, because they're nonprofit, they don't have um, like fixed fund, you know, yeah. funding all the time. And yes. <laughs> it's just like, 
it's yeah you you definitely have to rely on community support and even if they do get funding like they still need like enthusiasm they still exactly, need yes. supporters who are it's not just about the money but it's about the care and the the love people mm-hmm. put into it what moments of empathy or compassion either from a single person or a group mm-hmm. of people have you um had like a permanent influence on you or it could be like more recent, like just the other day you saw, you know, like a little kid do something really sweet or... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm definitely an observer, so mm-hmm. I feel like I always draw inspiration from every day and just like random acts of kindness mm-hmm. that I see that I just like, oh, yes, those are my people. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it might be something as simple as just like a Muni driver who will wait for somebody who's running. But I think like I definitely had a big like experience uh, growing up. Um since I went to such a small school, like, I felt really close with my teachers, but there was a transition point when we left from elementary to middle school, and we, we had a little t- bit of a teacher shift, but mostly what was happening on in my life at that time is that when I was in elementary school, I was just being bullied a lot and just being told things that made me feel pretty small, like, things that I couldn't do anything about. Like, for mm-hmm. example, like, my like my arms which I don't even think about anymore but in elementary school this was my everything because they were hairy and that Mm. made people think that that it was okay to call me a hairy orangutan so it just messed up it, it really made me feel small, but at the same time I started to like normalize those behaviors mm-hmm. because like I was bullied for pretty much all of elementary school. I just was such a bookworm too. I thinking back like it it was a hard time um but when I got to middle school I just I I had the chance to kind of reinvent myself Mm -hmm. Uh, just a tiny bit and so what I started to do since I had normalized those behaviors I was like you know what those people who make fun of me they have friends and I don't so I'm doing something wrong so I like started to be just like not as nice anymore just like mean like a little bit of a problem starter here and there and like I would do stuff that was like bad but also good so like one time Mm -hmm. my friend was being bullied on the bathroom walls and they were just saying the meanest things about her and so I just like took with the sharpie and I started scratching everything out scratching everything out and I just started writing like huge like I love Elle that was the name of the girl um and she uh I don't know if she ever found out about that (laughs) maybe I'll have to cut that out (laughs) but I like I was just writing all around like I love Elle I love Elle and I got in trouble for that with my school principal, but I was doing, like, rebellious things, and I was not exactly headed down the the right path, and not to say that it's anything that I did, but something that, like, historically, like, even though children who are, um, like me, brown, commit, like, acts of like defiance in school at the Mm -hmm. same rate that other students do I a lot of times we're targeted more and we're just punished more also so I was right there at the point where it could have been you know one more suspension I would have been in a lot of deep trouble but my teachers they this is a moment that my teachers just took the reins and they saw that this person with these straight A grades was not the baddie that they were mm-hmm. pretending to be, like, <laughs> that I was actually a softie. So they, like, started to pair me up with with students that I could help. So they started to, 
like bring out the like nice in me again and wow. it was always there of course but they just started to encourage me and make me feel comfortable being mm-hmm. nice and being the person that I was so like they let me like I remember one time my civics professor, Mr. C, uh, he let me lead class. So wow. something that like before I would have felt like so embarrassed about the fact that I was already, I had already read ahead <laughs> in mm-hmm. class, it made me just feel empowered and like it, it got, just got my life on the right track. Like from there, like if, if, if it wasn't for them, like I wouldn't have gotten all the scholarships that I did to attend USF mm-hmm. and just make the relationships that I did with the with the people that I helped like for example like when they needed help with homework in English mm-hmm. and they might have just come here um, to America and they were just learning our language I was like no problem yeah I'll teach them yeah I can help so they just cultivated that in me and I ever since then I just feel like this fire inside that I I have to keep carrying it because people trusted me to carry that fire wow that's incredible that's such a crossroads moment of Whenever a kid is 12, 13, you know, middle mm-hmm. school aged, that's like the worst age for any human being <laughs> too. It's tough. It's Puberty. What was the first time, when did you first come across No Bully? Yeah, uh, well, I first came across No Bully when I was applying for school, for jobs after school was out. Uh, so probably around like the summer when I was like, finally, okay, I'll look for a job. But I think my my calling to No Bully came a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. So we're a nonprofit based in the Presidio, and our mission is to eradicate bullying and cyberbullying worldwide. Mm-hmm. But like when I was in college, I just like I just started having all this new language and all this new lenses to view our world. And it wasn't that these inequalities that were happening or these injustices were new, Mm -hmm. but it was that they were new to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a little bit overwhelming. And I, I felt like, like, what are we going to do about this? Like, how can Mm -hmm. we fix this? Like how you, have you seen that new video by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about um, like in 12, like 12 years, that's how long we have. I haven't, but I really need to because I I love her so much. Yeah. So I just, like, started to think, like, we have to act now. Like, there has to be something that we need to do. Time is ticking. And it just felt to me, like, what they, like, what what I saw happening in some instances, like, especially through debate and policy debate, like, what I saw was that there was, like, a kindless revolution, revolution, like, stirring. Like, mm-hmm. I can see it bubbling, and I just really wanted to be a part of that. I I think that, like, the answer, like, our lives don't have to be full with, filled with injustice or filled with, like, unhappiness mm-hmm. or filled with, like, oppression. It doesn't have to be like that. Like, mm-hmm. the power to fix it, the power of kindness, the power of compassion, they're all inside of us already. Mm-hmm. It's just up to us to choose kindness to choose compassion now, to do it now. So when I graduated, it just like, it was the only thing that I could think of. I was like, well, of course I'm gonna work for an organization that promotes kindness. I can't fathom going to work every day, 40 hours a week doing something that isn't contributing to the revolution of of kindness. Just the the big kid job, nine to five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of just, oh, pays bills and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't want that, I didn't want that. So I applied to like, oh, like 50, 60 jobs. I had my whole little spreadsheet. Nobody was the first place I applied to. And I like, I hadn't heard back from them a couple, like a couple weeks had gone by, so I figured, you know, I didn't get the job, but 
when I got that call, I was so, I just felt like I didn't even have to apply to all these other jobs. This was my dream job. I should have just gone for it all in. Like, I just felt like not only was the mission something so close to me, mm-hmm. like other kids in my school, m- maybe they, they were going through this, they might have been going through the same thing that I was, but mm-hmm. maybe, like, I don't know if they were reached out to. And I don't, like, that's why the non-punitive aspect of our program, mm-hmm. so we don't, like, um, we're all about building solutions, not about contributing to a problem or contributing to, you know, the school to prison pipeline. We're about mitigating and immediately stepping in and helping to create solutions because all kids are capable of kindness. We we can all learn that that's all inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so we believe in our kids and we believe in that their childhood could be better. So that part was just, I got to fight for it. I, I believe in it so hard. Then the other aspect of it was just the, I work in development, that's mm-hmm. the apply, job I applied to, and all of the opportunities that I had come through every, like, I just keep thinking about my life as, like, a community sponsorship. Like, I mm-hmm. I feel like I have, every step of the way, I've been, like, sponsored by my community, by my after-school programs, by this, by that, and, like, this was just my chance to, like, step in and make sure that there's someone backing our kids. I looked uh, at some of your accomplishments here at USF. Uh, you, I read that you like raised over $45,000 for USF, which <laughs> yeah. is crazy impressive. <laughs> so with fundraising, what are, I'm a terrible salesperson, but I feel like <laughs> fundraising is not in the, I mean, maybe there's some similar qualities, but fundraising, I feel like there's a difference. What, what, uh, What do you think are your skills or like your qualities that make you good with fundraising and development? I think it's just a genuine interest for finding out more about people and finding Mm -hmm. like just you have to learn a lot about a person before you can actually ask them to collaborate on something Mm -hmm. like you you have to get to know them. And and it's a little bit hard because my fundraising experience was uh, over the phone. So it's a little bit it was a little bit harder, but it, it was just about making making people feel like there's a movement happening right now and Mm -hmm. we want them to be a part of it, which is the truth. Like, that's what's happening. So when I talk to people, I, for, for a little bit, I was, I was pretty nervous at first. I'm not going to lie to you. It was, it was a little bit hard to get used to, but when I, when I approach someone, I just think that this is such a new experience for me every single time. Mm-hmm. Like one thing I guess a little bit of background is when I grew up, I didn't really have access to a computer mm-hmm. or so basically the internet. So I sometimes consider myself an old soul for that reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was part of the last generation. Which is not a bad thing yeah, either yeah. because it's so distracting sometimes, but there mm-hmm. are advantages to yeah. having it too. Yeah. So I feel like Honestly, I feel like every time I meet somebody new, I'm just, like, awestruck. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still like, oh, my goodness, like, another person on this planet, tell me about yourself. Like, I need to know more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, when it was uh, my specialty when I was fundraising was talking to parents. Mm-hmm. So it was, I treated it like I was talking to my mom every time, just telling her, hey, mom, this is what I've been up to at USF. Like, this is what we're up to. Uh-huh. And it our parents really loved having those conversations and mm-hmm. giving um, back to the experience at USF. And I know it's it was like hard because our pa- parents were already paying tuition, mm-hmm. but they still like are 
we're willing to step up and we're willing to um, continue to provide this experience for more and more students. Like they didn't feel like it was already inside them, Mm -hmm. the feeling that everyone should have a right to education. It just like, it just needed to be activated. Sometimes all it takes is just one conversation. I love how you've emphasized the revolution aspect of it. Even though education is so expensive in this country and it shouldn't be, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I think that it's um, better, you know, than the alternative uh, to to get education, not even just at a university, but like in some form, in some type of community. What you've done, Jen, is so incredible that you held out for what you were most most passionate about to find an organization that would pay you and support you in that way um and also do something super supportive and um uh empathetic and uh revolutionary for schools in san francisco and all over too Mm -hmm. um they started out in san francisco but i read that you go they go everywhere yeah we we partner uh well uh, once again, our mission is to eradicate bullying and cyberbullying worldwide. And we do that actually, it's a two-pronged comprehensive approach that it's really what drew me to them. So the first leg is that we do uh, partnerships with schools and we have our program. So through that, we focus on ha- running solution teams. And when somebody's being a target of bullying, we have a kind of this meeting that comes together and just all the kids um, that are involved in that situation closely, they brainstorm like, Mm -hmm. here's a problem, how can we solve this? And so it just teaches those like tools that will eventually be able Mm -hmm. to ignite more kindness and ignite more compassion and just make the school a safer place for the person who is being bullied. Mm -hmm. And we actually have a 90% success of rate with reducing bullying incidents in schools with that part of our program. I mean, it's incredible because it's uh, so Mm well-rounded. It's like a year-long program of training, not even just teachers. And I love that you just said that it's having the kids, the students build skills instead of just like the teachers or parents, whoever, to just tell them how they're supposed to act. Exactly, yeah. We're like bringing students in instead of calling them out. Yes. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, the second leg of our approach is that we do, like, uh, collaborative campaigns Mm -hmm. to uh, set us up for a culture shift. So Mm -hmm. that, what we're working on right now is called Power of Zero. So we are all about early learning for a connected world Mm -hmm. because we notice that there is kind of a disconnect between the way people see themselves in real life versus online. Mm -hmm. And more and more kids are just getting cell phones younger and younger and younger and just being accessing internet younger so that that split that identity split is happening earlier and earlier Mm -hmm. but we are trying to teach teach kids that the same tools that we're using to treat others with kindness and compassion are Mm -hmm. still used online like even though it might feel like it's a different place a different world with new rules Mm -hmm. it's actually just like the same we're just trying to create a continuation of our world and of our kindness and the way we treat others online as well. I mean, it's, I mean, people who just troll people on the internet, there's really, really tragic examples of kids who commit suicide or even adults Mm -hmm. who are affected deeply. And 
that I think no bully is like the antithesis to the what I actually had whenever I was in elementary school, one of those conferences or programs where they came into the school of a one-time, you know, lecture from a, what is it called? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Yeah. (laughs) We, I'm definitely old enough to have that have not had been dated yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, we are about like going in and mitigating like on in that moment. But we, yeah, like we have a long-term partnership. This is a commitment because... Mm Yeah, we, we, we're trying to address uh, instances of bullying that are going on now, but we also want to set up the world and set up our culture so that we don't have these instances to begin with. You put on workshops or training sessions with teachers and, and like different staff at the mm-hmm. schools, but also you um, offer like parents to get yes, involved. We have parent guardian workshops. Yes. I think that's amazing to keep them in the loop because that kids, I, some of the problems with bullying uh, is it, it stems from at home. And I think having parents uh, be a part of it, whether they know that it or not, that, you know, maybe there's stuff going on at home that I, as the parent is, kind of influencing my little Billy to <laughs> to yell at, you know, some other kid at school the way, like, I'm yelling at my spouse or, you know, partner or somebody. Yeah. And, and not to put the blame on parents, but sometimes they're unconscious mm-hmm. of how they affect their kid's behavior outside of the home. So I thought yeah. that was a really cool emphasis placed in this this training program. Yeah, it's so important to have the support of our parents and guardians. I, our mm-hmm. success rate wouldn't be the, as high as it is if it wasn't for the commitment from our parents and from our community to really tackle this problem. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, for if it was bullying is an epidemic. If it were mm-hmm. a different kind of epidemic, like the measles epidemic, we would be on that. Like, we yeah. would be taking, <laughs> rushing our kids to the hospital. So what's the equivalent? And... Uh, you know, we're tackling the problem and we are only working as well as we do because our parents are seeing this as a mm-hmm. problem and taking immediate action with us. Yes, visibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes a village um, and not to like over like victimize everybody, but to just make visible the reality of how bullying is a problem and yeah. how it doesn't have to be like in, exactly and we yeah. were talking about too on the mic break how bullying isn't something new like mm-hmm. one in three students are vic- are targets of bullying but that is not a new statistic that's something mm-hmm. that's been going on for a long time but it is something that we can act on right now one of the actually the the biggest indicators of su- of having a successful life is your ability to make and maintain friends yeah so like we're actually number one like encouraging kids to stand up but also to identify like when the conversation is not going the way that they want it to Mm -hmm. and how to change that like basically just yeah giving the tools that will set them up for navigating friendships and just being Mm -hmm. able to say hey we don't use that word here we encourage kindness here Mm -hmm. and that's something that of course will translate into like giving I learned that language in college and I'm using it. If I had learned that language as a kid, like, mm-hmm. who knows what I'll be talking right now, probably philosophizing. <laughs> we were talking about before, we believe that all kids should be involved in the solution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because all kids are capable of kindness and we want all kids to be successful. We want them all to be able to make and keep friends. Like, we want that. Mm-hmm. And 
that's I think very different from what you know some of the other uh, Im- images of bullies that are going mm-hmm. around because at the end of the day these are children we're talking about and to not there's sometimes like you know in pop culture like Ralph or not Ralph but like Nelson from the Simpsons or other bullies from other yeah. um uh you know childhood cartoons or something to not make a caricature out of certain bullies yeah, like oh exactly. that's their, who they are that's their identity yeah yeah exactly yeah because we were t- what we were talking about earlier like the incidents of bullying occur at the same rate between you know all students but mm-hmm. some but most of the time students of color are, are targeted mm-hmm. and they are like pushed down potentially like a school to prison pipeline and that's not what we want to uh, perpetrate at, at no bully we're yeah. about um finding a solution to this problem because it's not something new mm-hmm. but it is something that's impacting our lives every day yes yeah and that's a really really crucial point to make that um, it's not just police officers who are racial profiling. It's, I mean, in our schools. Yeah, that's why we are all about, you know, educating our culture and shifting our culture to be more inclusive Mm -hmm. and just have conversations about how we can be inclusive. And sometimes that is changing our language and Mm -hmm. it has to be done. Yeah, teachers need to reflect on how they perceive actions of kids. If there's implicit biases and mm-hmm. that's really important to to note uh, the the nuances of this bully versus victim you know like mm-hmm. we're all part of it in some shape or form yeah For you and your role as development assistant at No Bully, and I definitely lifted this little um, <laughs> synopsis of what you do there from your LinkedIn. Um, so you steward, activate, create content for, and manage interpersonal communications between No Bully's community of support and uh, corporate sponsors. So walk us through what a day, and they probably don't look all the same, um, what typically... Uh, does a day look like for you at No Bully? Well, number one, I think working in development, there's a little bit of limitations with confidentiality. So when preparing for this question, I'm prepared. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but just um, so yeah, like what I our program um, it, to to bring our program to schools, as we know, like schools are underfunded, so it's mm-hmm. already an inherently a, a, a struggle. But what we do is that we collaborate with. Um, Number one, our community of supporters, so like our donors. But number two, we collaborate with corporations like Hasbro, Toys Company, mm. um, with, on their like Be Fearless, Be Kind initiative. So we're trying to create a shift, and these um, companies are willing to sign up and say that, hey, I'm here and I'm going to help and I'm here for children. And so that's something very different than what we've historically seen Mm -hmm. from corporations. And I I feel so honored every day that I get to work with some super big names uh, because it's not something I ever saw myself doing. But I just I it just makes me feel so hopeful looking towards the future that um, we are making a step in the right direction every time that a corporate sponsor signs up to uh, sponsor a school program. It's just like. It's just one one step closer to accomplishing like our goals, yeah. And so of, of eradicating bullying, and I think like for example, one day what it might look like is, um, 
like oh this past week so uh, again with Hasbro so they have uh, they have their uh, recommendations for uh, for nonprofit like donations so their community gets together and talks about what they recommend for the next year and we've been in partnership with them for a couple of years in Rhode Island we have some pretty amazing stuff with them coming up next week we have like an I have a voice concert in Colorado um, we did like a national singing competition and we also have worked on them with our Broadway Against Bullying, our annual fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So basically what that means is that every year when it comes time for that meeting, it's time for us to actually put in our formal like, hey, this is what we did this year. Please recommend us for next year. Gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, the, so like something I had to work on this week, like I get to work and I just have to work with our programs team and um, uh uh, which, by the way, just I, re- I realize I haven't said this, but I'm so grateful to work with such a- incredible people who are just very passionate about bringing mm-hmm. it into bullying, but also about just doing com- exhibiting compassion in everything that they do. So mm-hmm. I worked with them to put together a presentation about like our impact through the years. So mm-hmm. I like from scratch, you have to like think about the design, think about the concept, and then like what information fits where, and like. Thankfully, I studied communication studies, so mm-hmm. it's something that I, language I feel very comfortable with. But that's like an example of something that, like, ev- basically every day is just a new way of reporting uh, our impact and all the pr- on the projects that we've done through one way or another. So whether that's on social media, through uh, emails, or through uh, just in person to person interactions mm-hmm. or creating events, our team and we're just always working on showcasing our impact and just just. Uh, making sure that people know what we're up to because we want them we want them to join we want this to be a a even bigger and bigger every time and i think why you're so successful why you're the perfect person for that um that role and that's a very huge those are big shoes for you to fill and it seems like you've done some things like you've really really expanded the exposure that they get and i mean they're already doing the work and they're doing all the great stuff it's a matter of like the world being able to see what they're doing exactly and just illuminating what yeah. they're doing and you've been so successful at doing that. Yeah, well, I mean it was it wouldn't be for my team number 1. Like we are a small but mighty three-person development team. Our mm-hmm. our team as a whole is 13 14 people, but like our team, this as a whole, like my director and my SVP, we just we are we we're new like a uh, my director and I were new this year, mm-hmm. but we just hit the ground running. And I think it's so important that just bullying is something so personal to us mm-hmm. that we just right away understand the mission. Oh, yeah, you want to treat other people with kindness? I've been saying that for the, like as long as I've been alive. Yeah. You know how to not just brand it, but also the tone, yeah. the the sort of vibe that you, it's not just like a marketing sort of trying to rally up more likes or anything. It's just like, no, we have to make this message genuine. Yeah. What's the director's name? Uh, Sophie Carey is my director. Okay, shout yeah. out to Sophie. I Yay. know, shout out to Sophie, <laughs> shout out to Eric. <laughs> and to everybody at Noble Yes, too. all yeah. my colleagues. Uh, as I said, I'm so, so thankful that I get to work with y'all every day. And we have such a fast-paced, boots-on-the-ground team. Like, mm-hmm. they're just go, go, go all the time. And we're just so committed to bringing to life, like, the world that we envision. Like, the world of kindness that we can already see, like, it's so close that we're always just chasing after him. 
I genuinely <laughs> feel like just beyond blessed. Like there, there's not a single day where I'm like, I don't want to go to work. Like wow. it just, I don't have that feeling. And I was so scared of having that feeling because, you know, like I've seen my mom work her butt off mm. and I've seen her have the same job for 12 years. So it's just like, it, I felt like it was meant to be. And, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so excited to continue. You know, we've been around for 10 years. This year was our 10-year anniversary. Yay. And, yeah, I'm so excited to just see where, what else we're going to do and where we're going to go because I really believe in this. So what, what, what's the best way that people can get involved, donate, um, other, other mm-hmm. ways they can learn more about No Bully? Well, uh, if your school wants to be bully-free, the good news is we want to help you. <laughs> and yeah, well, childhood doesn't have to be like this. You know, one in three people, one in three students are a target of bullying. But like we said, the power to prevent bullying, the power of kindness, and to be compassionate is already inside of us. But it, the time to choose kindness is now, and, and we want to get involved, and we want to continue to collaborate. If you want to learn more about No Bully, of course, you can email me at genesis at nobully.org, but also visit nobully.org, powerofzero.org, or follow us on social media. If you want to, like, have more content on your stream that's just kind thoughts, kind actions, or just kind news um, to kind of counteract what else is happening, um, follow us on Instagram. It's nobully underscore org. Same thing for Twitter. And our Facebook is nobully. And I'll um, I'll make sure to put that on the web page too yeah. to like provide links so you can click on that um, and and follow what No Bully is doing in upcoming events or you know uh, different things that you can have No No Bully come to your school yeah and to, to reach out to Jen <laughs> and and learn more about uh, yeah different ways you can get involved. The, who you are, you know, and how <laughs> Thank you. your spirit and energy is just so um, genuine and real, you know, like you're definitely like whenever I compliment people and being like nice people, it's more like I, I don't necessarily mean that. And like, oh, you're a bubbly person. Like you have a way of like being um, kind and like positive, but not in a way that de- denies reality, like the ugly parts of reality. Yeah. It's like. No, I've been there. I know that there are crappy things about being True. a person. I've had traumatizing experiences, but I've found ways to like cope with it and get through it and with help with other people to reach out and to continue persisting, you know, yeah. and to, to make an effort to, um, to know that it matters what you do like right now instead of just like waiting for the opportunity to make change. Yeah. There's only one person in the whole entire world that ever will, or the whole entire universe that ever has, will, or feel anything that you felt or mm-hmm. anything that you experienced. So you, you got to run with that. You got to act on it. I loved this conversation. <laughs> me too, Darcy. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> You can find links to learn more about or connect with Jin and No Bully in the archived episode webpage at KUSF.org or Anchor.fm, among other podcast platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Artful Thought, a KUSF production in San Francisco. Thank you.